Wonderful good morning to all of you. Well, it's wonderful to be in this, uh, in this atmosphere of praise and worship. And I want to talk a little bit about that as we go through our study today. Uh, I want to read from the book of Revelation. It has just been uh, already uh, read, but I want to read from Revelation chapter 4, verse 9 up to verse 11. The Bible reads here, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him and say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will, they were created and have their being. And Psalms 24, verse 1, Scripture reads here, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. God is the one who created all things, who originated everything. And Proverbs 11 verse 25 says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. May we be refreshed today so that we can be able to refresh others. Let us pray together. <clears throat> Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for your wonderful presence. We thank you, Lord, for your word that is ever new, that is ever fresh. Lord, I pray that you help us to understand the lesson that you have prepared for us today. I want to thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to be in our midst. And Lord, let the word that comes to our hearts and to our minds be able to transform our most innermost being. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today I want to speak about... <clears throat> the appreciation for God's inheritance. You know, each and every one of us should appreciate God's inheritance. We should not take for granted what God has provided for us, but we should recognize and understand that God, by his kindness, by his goodness, by his love, has provided all things. I mean, he has provided us this earth, he has provided us oxygen, he has provided us, you know, daylight. Uh, he has provided everything, you know, including the minerals that are in the ground that make us able to develop things. So we are so wonderfully privileged to have all the things that God has provided for us on our footstool, on our, on, on our fingertips and our doorsteps. <clears throat> now today I want to uh, speak about the divine culture of uh, giving. Because understanding the divine culture of giving is crucial for every believer. And I want to show you on the example of David, you know, what it means to be uh, a person who understands what God has given and also learn from the giving culture of God to be givers ourselves. You know, uh, there are some Psalms here uh, that I want to read, you know, or refer to Psalm 24, for instance, 
uh, the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. These are sentences that had, were written by, by uh, David himself. And he understood that whatever he has received was a gift from God. You know, David was called from the flock of sheep and was given the responsibility to shepherd the nation of Israel, as Psalm 78 verse 70 tells us. You know, Psalm 78 verse 70 says, he chose David his servant and took him from the sheep, from the sheep pens, from the tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. So David understood, you know, that whatever he had, I mean, the position that he was given in his life was a gift from God. And he didn't only understand that when he had finally become king, when he was finally anointed to be king. Actually, he knew that even long before that. You know, the Bible tells us how David was uh, faithful in shepherding the flock uh, of his father. Uh, and he was able to be available to his father uh, whenever he was calling upon him. And so one day we, we have learned that he called him to take food to, uh, to his brothers uh, who were fighting or supposedly fighting a war against uh, the enemies. And when he went there, of course, there was no war. There was an, a, sole, a sole assailant, okay, the, the enemies were around him, you know, the Philistines were around him, but there was Goliath. And David realized that wherever he was, whatever position God put him in, it was God's opportunity for him to excel. It was God's opportunity to him to give. And so at that particular time, he gave his life. He said, I'm going to fight this giant, this Goliath. Well, and he did, and he won, okay? He was not afraid. He was uh, courageous because he knew wherever God puts me, you know, all things must work out for good for those who love the Lord. And, and, and David understood that principle very well. So David acknowledged that in his life. And this is why I believe that God called him a, a man after God's own heart because he was always willing to share. He was always willing to give. He was always willing to reach out. Let me read for you uh, a passage of scripture that was uh, right, ha happening right towards the end of the life of David. And we see that David had a great desire to serve his God, okay? Uh, in Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10. Then David, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Okay? 
if you compare that with Revelation chapter 4, verse 9, you can see that this was a man who, who knew what the future would hold because he was already doing it here on earth, even in times that we call Old Testament times. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Okay, so, so David understood that even so he was the king, he was not really the ultimate. There was someone who was greater than he, and uh, he recognized God. He recognized the one who had called him to that position of rulership in Israel. So he, he knew that this was God's kingdom, not his kingdom. And so he said, we adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Have you ever thought about that? That wealth and honor comes from the Lord? So whatever you have, whatever we have today, is really a gift of God. You know, we must understand God lends us so many good things. When I say lend, you know, because we are just stewards. You can't say I'm the owner. Okay, even if you have a title deed, you say I'm the owner. Yes, of course, you are the owner uh, for all intents and purposes for this particular time while you're here. But when you're gone, you're no longer owning it. Somebody else will own it. So in other words, when we are here on earth, we are stewards, stewards of God. And stewards are people who need to give an account one day. And David understood that beyond any reasonable doubt. So wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. You know, whatever your domain is, whatever you're ruling, you know, uh, it has limits, okay? Many of you, you rule your own life, hopefully, hopefully good. Maybe you rule your house, your family, uh, you know, or maybe you rule in your office, in your company, or whatever it is, uh, and that's grace, okay? God gives us grace to do that. But then there is someone who is over everything. So none of us is an ultimate ruler. None of us is ultimately in charge of the things that we are given, that are entrusted in, into our hands. We must understand there's always somebody greater than us. And, and it's good for us to recognize that because the people who do not recognize that, they are becoming reckless. They do with what they think they have, what they think they own, and they are reckless with the things they do uh, because they feel I'm the ultimate, I'm the final authority. But then, you know, even if people can think that way, there comes a time when every human being has to realize that we are not <clears throat> the ultimate. That there is another one who is above everything else. There is another one who is the final authority over all things. And it's good for us to recognize this, not when we are finally about to leave or when we are on our deathbed, but it's good for us to recognize that while we are here, while we have the strength to do things, and while we are able to give him praise and honor in our lives. So, wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule everything. Power and might are in your hand. And at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. 
Isn't that powerful? God wants to make us great. God wants to give us strength. God wants to lift us up. And, and, and that should really make us very, very thankful. You know, uh, you, you are who you are because of God's grace. Because God lifts you up. God gives you honor. God gives you strength. And often we take what we do, the position in our life, just for granted. We don't really think much about how we arrived in this place. Of course, maybe you say, okay, I've come, come up the ladder and have been finally coming to the place where I am. Uh, more looking at the human side of the story. But we must understand there is a divine side of that story. You know, there is God behind all things. You know, you did not choose where you were born. You did not choose how your life would unfold. You know, uh, you did not choose uh, in which school you were to go. Uh, all these were decisions that were made by your parents or your caretakers, you know. Uh, there were lots of things that we have had no influence on. And finally, when we were able to uh, make decisions, you know, we could make decisions because God enabled us. God gave us grace. God gave us power, and he gives honor to everyone who seeks it. And thank God we are here as people of his flock, you know, as the people of his, of his uh, uh, love and care. And he wants to give us the power and strength uh, that he wants to give to all of us whom he has uh, earmarked to be his family, to be uh, the sons of the living God. And then he says in verse 13, O oh, our God, we thank you and praise you, glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you and we give you only what you first gave us. Now, this is amazing. Now, previously to these verses, there's a whole passage, and please take time to read it in your own time, uh, the whole chapter, in fact, uh, of First Chronicles chapter 29, where David was encouraging the people. You know, he was meeting the people of Israel, the people of Jerusalem, and he was standing, encouraging them, motivating them to build the house of God. You know, this was a deep desire in the heart of David that he had, you know, to, to, to invest into the kingdom of God. He had so much, but, you know, that really didn't satisfy him. What satisfied him was to really be close to the Lord. And I think this is something that we can learn from David. You know, David had a desire to have an intimate relationship with God. The Bible tells us that after the people of Israel came into the promised land and there were all these uh, these fights going on between the Philistines, the Amalekites, and other enemies around them. There was a time when finally the, the people of Israel uh, were very reckless. You know, they had no relationship to God anymore. But then they were using the Ark of the Covenant, the most holy object in the, in the nation of Israel, uh, and thought, when we are going with the Ark of the Covenant against our enemies, then we will win. But one thing we must learn, we can never use God for our own ends. If God does not give us victory, 
religion will not. Okay? Even if you are using a Bible and say this is a holy Bible, uh, but your heart is not in the word, it will be pointless. You know? It will not take you anywhere. And unfortunately, this is what people always do. You know, they, they just leave the Bible and they utilize it for their own ends. And you can't force God. You can't twist the hand of God. God is in control. He's in charge. And so the Ark of the Covenant was uh, taken captive by the Philistines. And of course, they very soon learned to have great respect for the Ark of Covenant because many of them died because they were not handling it properly. So they, they really had respect. They didn't have respect for the people who were supposed to have the Ark of the Covenant uh, in their possession, the people of Israel, because they were reckless. But they had respect from the Ark of the Covenant. So in other words, they had respect for God because they realized that God is awesome, is greater than whatever they could imagine, you know. So eventually they put this Ark of the Covenant into their temple, you know. They had a temple and they had a god called Dagon. And so they put the, the Ark of the Covenant into that temple because, of course, that was a, you know, a sacred object. So they thought, okay, it's good we took, take it to the temple. And, of course, there was this statue of Dagon. And when they came the next day, Dagon had fallen. Okay. So they lifted up Dagon again, you know, because, uh, you know, if you have a God that you have to lift up, then poor you. You know, this is not going to be very helpful. Uh, so the, the Philistines, they lifted up Dagon again, set it back to its pedestal, and uh, they thought, okay, uh, what an unfortunate thing this thing was, that he fell. But when they came the next day, they found Dagon fallen again, but this time he didn't just fall. This time he splintered into many different pieces. Okay? So now they realized, hmm, we're in trouble here, you know? There is, there is uh, there's something that we cannot handle, okay? And, and they realized that God is God. God is in control. God is in charge. And so they, 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 they became very uh, afraid of, of that Ark of the Covenant. And so eventually, you know, they felt that this thing uh, doesn't do us any good. Because, of course, if, if they had uh, been converting to the living God and they would have uh, worshipped the living God, the better, you know. But no, they wanted to be with their old Dagon. They could make another one or whatever they did, I don't know. But uh, they, 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 they just said, no, this God, we cannot handle him. Okay? And so they sent the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. They put it on an ox cart and then they put some animals in front, and they said, okay, if it goes straight into Israel, then we know this is, this is God, okay? And so, of course, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant went straight. The animals were guided by the Spirit of God, okay? So when the Ark of the Covenant arrived in Israel, there were some people there. They were Israelites. They should have known, you know, how to handle the most sacred object in Israel, the Ark of the Covenant, but they were very careless. And so they, they opened the Ark of the Covenant and they looked what is inside. And of course, you don't look. Everybody now became afraid. Everybody now knew you can't play games with the living God. This is a lesson that a lot of people in the Christian fraternity have not learned. 
especially in our modern times, you know, we have people who, who try to use uh, God and, uh, you know, uh, all the, the, the things that we read in Scripture for their own use and their own selfish purposes. That may work for a while, but sooner or later, it will backfire. And that's what happened there. So everybody was afraid, what do we do with this Ark of the Covenant? And so finally, they found a place at the home of Ed, Obed-Edom, and they put it there. And Obed-Edom was a person who was devout and who took care of that Ark of the Covenant. And very soon, word went round, this man is blessed. Okay? This man is blessed. Why was he blessed? Because he was not trying to utilize the Ark of the Covenant for his own good, but he honored the Ark. Okay? He... He lived in harmony with the Ark of the Covenant in the presence of God, and God blessed him. You know, God blessed him amazingly and abundantly. And so everybody started talking about that. People heard it, and eventually it came to the ears of David. You know, where the Ark of the Covenant is, there are blessings. And David said, this Ark doesn't belong to any, just one household. It belongs to Israel as a whole, so it must come back to Jerusalem. It must come back uh, into the house where God has set up his rulership. And so eventually, uh, David decided to bring the Ark of the Covenant home, okay? And he put it in a tent because at that time there was no temple, okay? The, the, the tabernacle was no longer there, so he had to put a tent. And he put that tent and uh, this is what is known as the, the, the temple of David. Oh, it was not a temple, it was, a, it was a, you know, a tent that he created, and that's where he worshipped. But deep down in his heart, he felt he needed to invest in the kingdom of God, not just in a tent that is there for a sh short time, but then disappears, but into the house of God. And you know, God honors his desire. God honored what he had in his heart. And I think it's very good when we learn uh, in our lives to honor the kingdom of God. Okay, this is a lesson that a lot of people uh, never learn. Even so, they go to church, but they never learn to honor the kingdom of God. And that's a very sad uh, state of affairs. You know, we should not just uh, come and utilize the blessings of God and say, God bless me more, bless me more, bless me more. You know, but we should learn to honor the living God. Let me just read a few verses uh, from the earlier verses in the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 29, because I think it can really tell us, you know, the heart of David. So we, let me just look up the scripture. Okay. The Bible says, then King David said to the whole assembly, my son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. Listen to this. David said, with all my resources, in fact, everything belongs to God, as he said earlier on, everything comes from God, but with all my resources, I have 
given to the Lord. So in other words, what God has given to me, I give it back to him. And so he says, with all my resources I've given, I've provided for the temple of my God gold, for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze, for next for the settings, to keys, iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx and uh, onyx for the settings, to keys, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything, I've provided for this holy temple 3,000 talents of gold, gold of Ophir, and uh, 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Now, if you read this in, in New Living Translation, you will find out that these were uh, large quantities, tons and tons of gold and silver. And you know, gold is expensive. Silver is not as expensive, but it's still uh, as a very expensive. If you think that they're overlaying all the walls with silver. Amazing. So David said, I'm giving. I'm, I'm not holding on to what God has given to me, but I let it go for the kingdom of God. Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. This is a very uh, important word, a key word. All these people, the leaders of the uh, nation of Israel, they came forward and they gave willingly. They saw the example of their king, who had given so much, nobody forced him, you know. In fact, it was God's own initiative to say, I want to build your house. And uh, God said, no, you will not build the house, it will be your son. But David prepared him the plans. God, uh, you know, made him know what is required, and that's why he was able to prepare all of the materials ahead of time. So that when his son would come, he would just step in and have an easy way to to get it done because he knew his son was young and inexperienced. Okay, so everybody was giving willingly. And I think this is a very important word, you know, that uh, I think we as Christians need to learn, you know, to give to God willingly, not under force, not under false promises. No, if you give this, then you will get this. You know, God is not a trader. Okay, God, God is the owner of everything. So you can't trade anything with God. God, I give you $1,000, then you must give me $50,000. What nonsense is that? You know, God wants to give. God wants to bless you, and he has blessed you already without you even realizing it. You know, by what you have, by the job you have, you know, by the family you have, by, by the oxygen you breathe, he has blessed you over and abundantly. And, and that we must recognize. Okay, so these people came and they gave willingly. Verse 7, they gave towards the work on the temple 
of God, 5,000 talents, 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel, the Gershonite. Now listen to this, this word. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leader, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. Then David the king also rejoiced greatly. Isn't that powerful? When there are people who have a heart for the kingdom of God, okay, who, who know how to you know, invest into the kingdom of God and do it with joy, with happiness, with a heart of thanksgiving. Sometimes, you know, uh, there's a lot of stress when people are pushing for money. Oh, we must give. We, we need to reach this, this, this thing. And the people are being forced. Must give more, must give more. Okay, take the offering back round again. There's nothing like that here. You know, we must, but there are willing hearts who are investing into the kingdom of God. You know, we must learn from that. You know, that's why uh, I would rather motivate, motivate you and give you an example of giving willingly than push you into uh, giving something that you actually don't want to give. You know, uh, some of these monies I have seen, you know, I've been treasurer sometimes in some different uh, 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 campaigns, uh, crusades and other things, and, and people are being pushed, you must give, you must give, you must give. And some of the money that you get, when you have to count it, you know, first of all, you have to take this ball of paper and try to straighten it out, okay? Because it is, it is not given freely. It's not given with an open heart. It is given grudgingly, you understand? Then you stretch it out, and you can see somebody was holding on to it. Only by force, let go of it. Now, that's not what what giving should be. It should be a willing exercise. If you don't want to give willingly, then just keep it, you know? Because you will get no reward for something that you give grudgingly, okay? You get only a reward for what you desire to give to the Lord and uh, what you know that uh, God has put it on your heart to do. So, as we go back to uh, this scripture in Chronicles chapter 29, let me read verse 14 again, you know. David says, but who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? You know, he realizes, well, we are giving, yes, but, but who are we to give? Because everything that we have received from you in the first place, you know, so we can give. But actually, the one, the things that we give to you, you have given us first, okay? And that is true uh, with the love that we have to Jesus, you know, because he loved us first. And we should learn that lesson from our Savior and Lord. You know, Jesus laid down his life willingly. Nobody forced him. Not his Father in heaven. They agreed that they would do this, bring salvation to mankind, and Jesus volunteered, okay, or let me say the Christ volunteered because he became Jesus when he was on earth. 
the Christ volunteered to come into this world. You know, the, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they were together, you know, having a council in the, in the heavenlies, even before creation. And they created, or they planned for the creation of all things, you know, of the universe. Just imagine this huge, huge universe, of which we really don't have a clue, despite all the telescopes we have now and see further and deeper, it just puts everybody upside down. You know, I heard some people commenting, you know, now that we have the, the space telescope, the James Webb Space Telescope, now all our, all our assumptions are turned upside down, okay? Because now they thought the Big Bang was the beginning. Now they have seen things which were there before the Big Bang. So now they have no explanation. They said we have to rewrite history. Okay, they have, re, they have written this kind of history, they were thinking, these were ideologies, ideas, but now they realize the universe is much greater than they had thought, than they had assumed. And so God is much greater in your life, in my life, in all our lives, than we can ever imagine. And God loves to give. He gave himself, and he loves to give you. He loves to give all of us. But sometimes... You know, with our attitude, we hinder God to bless us. We have put up, put up barriers to bless us. Sometimes uh, people who don't even believe in God, they find it more easy because they understand the, the law of sowing and reaping better than we do. Because they know if you sow, then you will reap. But if you are just holding on to your few kwachas and you, are, you, know, you give grudgingly, Nothing will come out of that, you know. Doesn't matter how, how hard you are going to squeeze your, your 50 kwacha note or your 10 kwacha note, uh, no, no drop will come out of it, okay? No blessing will come out of it. So we need to learn that God has given us freely. He has given everything in abundance, okay? If there is no abundance, and people live in poverty, it's not because God has not given enough. It's because people are greedy and they're, they're just storing up. You know, the rich people store up some wells that they can never, never ever finish. And then other people, they will be exploited and they will become poorer and poorer. And we see this all over the world, just because people don't want to uh, follow the ways of the Lord. Now let me continue reading a bit. Verse 15, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 15. The Bible says, we are here only for a moment. Okay, visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Now, this is David speaking, you know, at the threshold of his departure from this world. Okay? He had lived his life. He was a young man taking care of sheep. Then he was taken over. Uh, he was taken over, over uh, put over, over the nation of Israel, the, the inheritance of God, as it is called. He took care of that, okay? And, you know, the, the Bible says he did a good job, okay? Now you may say, but uh, David made mistakes. Yes, he did. But can you tell me any human being who did not make, make mistakes? You know, the desire of the heart of David was always for God. Okay, sometimes he could not handle temptation, just like us. 
but he was doing a marvelous job. And the Bible tells us in this psalm that we have read, and David shepherded them with integrity of heart. This is a powerful word, you know, integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. So David did a good job, despite his shortcomings. You know, uh, sometimes we don't see the other side because we are always focusing on the mistakes. Huh? So we are always saying, no, David committed adultery. Yes, he did, because he couldn't handle the temptation. And, and how many times could we not handle temptation? But, you know, God is not so much worried about uh, things that we, that we fail in, but he's, he's actually looking at the hearts, okay? He's looking at the desires of our heart. And, and despite his weaknesses, David had a heart for God. And God said, he's a man after my heart. That's amazing. And, you know, you can be a woman or a man after God's heart. Even if you have failures here and there, because we all have, we are human beings, and God understands that. And of course, that's why he sent us Jesus, so that he cleanses us from all righteousness and sin, everything that has gone wrong. And this is what we learn from the life of, of, of David. So David says, we are here for a moment, visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors before us. Some people don't know that. That's why they build all these mansions, you know, like this, uh, this uh, businessman, farmer, who had all his barns full, and he said, what am I going to do? Because my harvest is so huge, so I will build bigger ones. Instead of saying, okay, let me give to the poor, let me distribute to those who have nothing. No, he wanted everything for himself. He didn't have a heart of giving. He had a, a heart of, of grabbing, a heart of greed. And God says, you fool, because your life will be taken from you today. And he died. And then, okay, we never learn what happened to all the stuff. Of course, he didn't take it. But we must understand that we are here for a moment that we are here as, uh, and as, 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 as all the people before us, as visitors and strangers. Our real home is, okay, maybe you are saying, no, I'm not a stranger, I'm home, this is my home. Yes, but in reality, our real home is not here, okay? This is just a preparation ground. This is just a ground that, that God uses to prepare us for greater things are yet to come, okay? Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone as so, so soon, without a trace. And uh, David could uh, tell uh, with experience because he was now an old man, okay? He had seen his life passing, okay? And he said, it's passing so fast, like a, like a shadow, okay? And all of us are going to follow him, okay? We're not going to be here forever. And he says, you know, our days on earth are like passing shadows gone so soon without a trace. Okay, I mean, a lot of people, knowing that they will die, uh, they are doing their best to create a legacy which they leave behind. Okay, you can leave a legacy like the people of Babylon who built a tower or at least tried to build it. 
and we still remember them for a bad thing, that they built something they could not maintain and uh, they could not even finish. Okay, that's a legacy. But do you want to have such a legacy? Okay, uh, yes, of course, if you want to uh, have a good legacy, then be like David, be a giver, you know? Learn to give willingly and you will be remembered like David is remembered. But still more, the Bible says David served his generation and he died, okay? And we are all here just for that particular time in our generation. And we should serve the people that God has put us among so that we can fulfill the purpose for which God has brought us here. Verse 16 says, O Lord our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. Okay, what we give you is from you. So in other words, we only bring it back. We're not greedy, we're not holding it, but we are bringing it back to you. It comes from you. As a, as a child of God should know and should learn. Okay, everything comes from you. It all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done all this with good motives and I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and jealously. O Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make your people always want to obey. That's a very good prayer. Okay, this was a prayer of David, you know. Make our people want to obey, you know. Let our hearts be willing because God is examining our hearts, okay. God wants to know what is inside of our hearts. Sometimes he gives us certain things just to see how we, are, how we are utilizing them, okay? Whether we are greedy and grab it for ourselves or whether we are willing to share with others. Okay, so David prays that the people of Israel always should want to obey the Lord. See to it that their love for you never changes. Okay, so he prays for the people of Israel, knowing that very soon he will be gone. Then he prays for his son. Give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all your commands, laws, and decrees, and to do everything necessary to build this temple for which I have made these preparations. Then David said to the whole assembly, give praise to the Lord your God, and the entire assembly praised the Lord, of the God of their ancestors, and they bowed low and knelt before the Lord and the king. I mean, this is a wonderful passage of scripture, you know. It's just, you know, a short one-day event, one-day ex- uh, experience, you know. But what happened on that day, you know, it still reverberates. It's a, it's a good legacy. This man, David, was a giver. And he inspired other people to be givers as well. And not just givers, but givers who gave willingly with all of their hearts. Okay, so whatever God gives to us is a test. God gives us a test. How are we utilizing what God gives to us? God examines our hearts. 
Okay, it's very important that we understand that. So, you know, first of all, David acknowledged that everything came from God. And because he acknowledged that everything he had was from God, he was also able to freely give. A lesson that many Christians have not learned. Okay, because we have already difficulties with giving God tithes. You know, which actually doesn't belong to us in the first place. It belongs to him, and we only need to give it back to him. It's a test of our hearts, as I said. Okay? God gave us his son, Jesus Christ. And God tests us how we are relating to Jesus, how we are relating to Christ. And we know that there are many people, scores of people, who don't care about Christ, who don't care about Jesus. Thank God we are here, and we... We love Jesus, we have come to know him, we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, and this is very powerful. So we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But we know we are living in a day and age when people don't care about who Jesus is, what Jesus said. You know, they, they only care what they want, what they want to accomplish and achieve. They don't care what God says. And that's why the rules of God, the laws of God are trampled upon uh, in, in ways we have never seen on the planet before, at least not that we know of. You know, maybe in the past there were bad days as well, but I mean, what we are seeing today is really a disregard for everything that comes from the Lord. Okay, if God were behaving like human beings, he would have smashed this earth a long time ago. But he doesn't. He gives us time. He gives us room. We can make our choice. We can do whatever we want. And then at the right time, you know, we will have to give an account because we are stewards in this world. So remember, God provided all the resources for our good. All the resources in the ground, you know, the copper, the gold, the silver, everything is meant for the good of mankind. Okay, we exploit these resources and very often it's, it's, it's exploited in a very bad way and it brings so many headaches and heartaches like we were uh, seeing last week in our message about pollution. But God has given us everything for our good, you know. The Bible says all good things come from our Father, our Heavenly Father from above. Okay, all good things. And all good things include his son, Jesus Christ. Okay? The best that we can ever receive because he brings us life, life eternal. He brings us, uh, you know, the, the fulfillment of the life that God has given to us. We can never really live life in its fullness without knowing the Lord God, without knowing Christ the Savior. So our life is precious and is gifted and is filled with, with good things from above. Let me just read to you from the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter writes here, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
Hey, there are so many things mentioned here that uh, I can't all unpack, you know, because they are so... As the living hope he has given us, about the mercy, the great mercy he has given us, the new birth he has given us, the living hope he has given us, the resurrection uh, through uh, of Christ that has been, you know, happening for us because he's the firstborn, okay? He has been resurrected from the dead so that we can follow him behind in the future. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fate, kept in heaven for you. Now, imagine what God is saying here. You know, God talks about an inheritance. And God has given us a mighty inheritance here in this world, okay? He has given us life. He has given us resources. He has given us everything to make our life comfortable. Because he wanted us to be part of the development of this world. That's why he put everything in, in resource, you know, into the ground so that we find it and we can make uh, use of it and utilize for the good. Unfortunately, that last part we have missed. You know, we find it, but we are not utilizing it for good. We are utilizing it and bring more trouble upon ourselves. Okay? That's why we have pollution. But then, there is something greater than what you find on earth. Okay? There is an inheritance that is beyond the inheritance that you can ever have on this earth. And this inheritance, the Bible says, is kept for us under lock and key. <laughs> okay? It's kept for us in heaven. Okay? Where it cannot spoil, where it cannot fade, where it cannot disappear, where it cannot be stolen. You know, there is an inheritance waiting for all of us. And you know, we, we need to have open eyes for the inheritance that God has prepared for us. It's amazing. Okay, so once again, you know, this is, these are scriptures that you don't just read and forget. These are scriptures that you read, you study, you meditate, you, you stay with for, for uh, hours. You revisit. You go deeper. And you, 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 you really... Uh, apply it to your own life and to the life of the kingdom of God. Okay, so Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. Okay, that has happened when you gave your life to the, church, uh, to the, the Lord Jesus. Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish. Okay. Maybe some of you are waiting for an inheritance from your father or your parents. Okay. Maybe you're saying, I hope uh, soon it will come. I mean, I have, uh, I'm sure you have also seen some of these articles in the newspapers uh, where people have killed their parents so that they can get the inheritance. What madness is this? In fact, you don't need to kill anybody because Jesus was already killed on the cross. And through him dying on the cross, the inheritance is coming to us. Amen? And this is an inheritance, not that it's a little bit of money, a few quachas or dollars or whatever, or maybe some properties here and there. But when this inheritance comes, it can never spoil. It can never fade. It can never disappear. It can never be stolen. You know, no thief can ever lay hold on it because it's our, our inheritance in Christ. 
And it's kept for us, it's kept for you, for me, for all of us, the, 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 the body of Christ. And God makes sure he keeps it well. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Do you know that there is something that we have not yet seen? Now you say, I'm saved, I'm delivered, I'm a child of God, praise God. You have experienced that, and this is great. But there is a, there is a, 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 a greater dimension of that, uh, you know, revelation yet to come. And the Bible says that it will come, that, that coming of the salvation that is read, ready to be revealed in the last time. Okay, so there's a revelation that is going far beyond what we have ever experienced so far. Okay, and I'm looking forward to that. Okay, we should all look forward to that. A little while, okay, in this you greatly rejoice. So now for a little while, okay, it's important that you underline these two words, little while, okay, because sometimes we think it's a long time that we are suffering, but actually uh, Peter says uh, it's for a little while you may have to suffer grief of, in all kinds of trials. Okay? Now, don't forget to rejoice. In this, we greatly rejoice. That means in the inheritance no, that cannot perish, cannot spoil, cannot fade, cannot be stolen, which is kept for us. In this, we greatly rejoice. So, now, for a little while, we may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, okay? So, in other words, these are not accidents. These are not uh, coincidences. These are not things that that happen, uh, you know, for some, some strange reasons. No, the Bible says these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even so refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Praise the Lord. So in other words, whatever you go through, it makes your faith grow. Okay, so don't complain. Don't try to push it aside because these things, welcome them and go through them as fast as you can so that you learn the lessons and that your faith can grow according to the desire of God. Okay, you may never understand why things happen and that's why you should not ask, why God is this happening to me? You should just say, okay, what can it achieve? What can it uh, accomplish in my life? And remember, our faith is meant to grow, is meant to, proven, to be proven genuine. This is a test that God gives to us, the test, the examination of our hearts. Paul was writing in Psalm 139, verse 23, Search me, O God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. And you know, God knows what no one knows about you except yourself, okay? There are things that nobody knows about you, you know, what you're thinking, what you're going through in your mind, nobody knows, but God knows, okay? Some things you share, but some things you can't share with anybody, not even your best friend, okay? But God knows. And not only that, but God knows things that you don't know about you, okay? Because he knows your eternal nature, he knows your roots and he knows your future. 
And uh, because he knows that, that's why he puts so much effort into making you genuine, okay, to make you expensive, make you valuable, make you special, okay, make you willing, have a willing heart, and give to God freely. So let me talk as I close about the divine culture that God wants us to fit in. The divine culture is a culture of giving, okay? And when you are going home, please read again that passage of scripture. In fact, you can read the whole chapter four of Revelation, where the Bible says, when the living creatures give glory. Okay, what do they do? They give. How do they have glory? God gave them, okay? So whatever God gives you, learn to give it back. And so when the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, there's a response, okay? There are others who are listening to the living creatures uh, giving honor, glory, and thanks to the Lord. Then the 24 elders, okay, they fall down before the throne of God and they worship the one who lives forever and ever, God, okay? They worship. And then they do something amazing. They, they now take off their crowns. Now, how did they get crowns? You know, God says that he crowned us with his salvation, with his grace, and with his mercy. And then, you know, they're saying, actually, these crowns were given to us by God, but we lay down before God as our sign of dedication. We are willing to give whatever we have received. That's the culture before the throne of God. And if you have never learned to give, how will you stand in the throne of God? It's not possible. Okay? We are not learning to give willingly, wholeheartedly, joyfully, not grudgingly. Uh, how will we be able to stand before the throne of God and give him glory and honor and thanks? How can we worship him and adore him and praise him? And uh, how can we lay down our crowns when we are greedy, holding on to it? They lay down their crowns before the throne of, and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, even the crowns on our heads, isn't it? You created all things, even the new life in which we live. And by your will, they were created and have their being. Praise the Lord. God has given us life. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible explains uh, that this life that we have is a seed. And you know, a seed is never going to be like the, the fruit that is going to grow out of it. Let me just read this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 37. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps a wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined to each kind of seed he gives its own body. And of course, that is true. Actually, 
Paul writes this in reference to our own lives. You know, we, we saw in this uh, world that is not eternal, okay, that is mortal, but then something is going to come up immortal. And that's what God is doing. So we, we need to sow our seed of thanksgiving. We need to learn to be willing to return to God what he gave to us. And let me tell you, don't fear that you become poor or that you go bankrupt because you can't outgive God. You know, God is so much more loving and giving than we can ever be ourselves. So learn to give happily, joyfully, willingly. And you know, you have seen this in the example of David and the leaders that came forward and gave willingly. That is prevailing before the throne of God. Okay? God prepares us for that here on earth. That's why he gives us good things, so that we learn not to be greedy and hold on to it and grudgingly squeeze that quacha note, but that we open our hands and give willingly. You see, David had a desire for the, for the relationship with his God. That's why he brought the Ark of the Covenant. That's why he had the desire to build the temple. And whatever it would take, he was willing to do that. Let us put the kingdom of God first. We all know the scripture in Matthew chapter 6. I said this read that, you know, we should seek the kingdom of God first. And then all these other things that we require for living, require for transport, for, require for survival, God will give it to us. And he will give it to us abundantly and happily because he loves us. So remember, we are created to give, not only here in this world, but in eternity. Give us. of God will continue giving ever and ever. You know, eternal life is a life of giving. That's why the word of God says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Let us learn that lesson. It's a divine culture in which we must all walk as people of God, as the sons of the Most High. He's our Father. He has given us everything, everything for life and godliness. And uh, we must learn to be givers like God is a giver. Okay, we may not learn it overnight. It's uh, sometimes hard, I know because we are all born with that greedy heart. But let God transform that greedy heart with his grace, with his great mercy, and make you a true child of the living God. Uh, that is uh, walking in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who gave everything, even his last drop of blood. May God bless you as you practice to become a giver. Amen? A willing giver. With an open heart. Not squeezed. Not grudgingly. But joyfully. Giving to the Lord. 
And remember, God doesn't need whatever you have because he's God. But he will take what you give to him and he will give it back to you in a new way and he will give it to others so that they also they can be blessed. May God continue to let his blessings flow into your life. But please make room for the blessings of God. And if you're not giving, then there's no room. Okay, so God wants to fill your heart with his treasures from above. And let's learn to give so that more and fresh things will come our way. Amen. Let us pray. Lord our God, we appreciate your inheritance. The inheritance that you have given to us when we came into this world. All the things that we need for our physical life, they're here. They're given to us. We thank you, Lord, for that. You give us the air to breathe. You give us the food to eat. You give us everything that we require. Thank you that you have given us everything for our spiritual life. You have given us new life in Christ. Thank you, Father, that you have given your best, your son, Jesus Christ, so that we who are here today have an inheritance, a spiritual inheritance. And Lord, we have received already so much of your mercy, of your grace, so much of the knowledge of the living God. And Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that we can walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, appreciating more and more the inheritance that we have received in Christ Jesus. And Lord, through your word, you have told us that there is an inheritance that is yet to come, that we cannot even imagine, that is far greater than our eyes can, can see. No eye has seen, your ear has heard, no mind can understand or imagine what you have prepared for those who love you. And Lord Jesus, we are excited. We are looking forward for that inheritance, internal inheritance that is stored up for us when we finally arrive. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that we have a great future that you have prepared for every single one of us. To you be the glory, the honor, and the praise. And everyone say, Amen.